This episode of Your Catholic Life is brought to you by Iowa Catholic Radio, connecting listeners with Christ, iowacatholicradio.com, and everywhere you are on the free Iowa Catholic Radio app. Welcome in, everyone, to Your Catholic Life, a podcast for Catholics by Catholics, helping you grow in your faith. I'm John Leonetti, your host. Prove it. Prove God exists. Have you ever been asked that? If you have, most of the time, the person asking is looking for some sort of scientific proof for the existence of God. But my guest today says that's the wrong way to go about it. Instead, he uses the five famous medieval proofs for the existence of God— based on reason. What are they? Well, you'll have to read the book for them all, but we make it through a couple. More importantly, Dr. Gerard gives a philosophical framework to understand it, drawing from some of the best Catholic minds ever. This was a fascinating interview. Here it is, my interview with Catholic scientist, Dr. Gerard Verscheren. Hi, doctor. Hi, morning, John. How are you? I'm doing just fine. Thanks for coming on. I love the title of the book, and and I love it because you say right at the beginning that uh, uh, science cannot prove that God exists. That's right. That is, uh, for many people, probably a surprise. (laughs) But science does not have that power. Some people think science can do anything at once if you just give it time, but that's not true. Why can we... Yeah, go ahead. uh, First of all, science is only connected with material things Hmm. that can be measured, quantified, counted. But God is not a material entity. So it it can never prove that God exists. Besides, there is no laboratory testing which could put uh, God in an experiment, for then he would be below us and not above us. And there is no ingenious experiment that can trap God. And I think one another important point is uh, science works with hypotheses. So it can never prove that a hypothesis is true, first of all. It can only prove that it's very likely or very unlikely, but it cannot prove a hypothesis. And God is not a hypothesis that we can hold on tentatively and provisionally until more evidence for or against it emerge. So... God is not an object for science, and science cannot prove anything. Uh, It can certainly not prove that God exists. This is fascinating. Uh, And and you use in this, then, you go on to talk about the five famous medieval proofs for the existence of God, which, you know, they they, they have survived thousands of years, uh, actually a thousand years, and uh, many efforts have tried to refute them. Yes. Um, If science can't do the job, is there something else that can do the job? Yes, we say, especially in the Catholic Church, but in practically every person who has a common sense and a common mind can go by the proofs of God's existence. So in in my book, Catholic Scientist Proves God Exists, I I discuss five of them. There, There are several more, but I think those are the five most important ones. And I don't think anyone can just let them go and say they are nonsense because they, they are based on logic and rationality. And we are all uh, rational beings. As Pope John Paul II used to say, we are all philosophers 
by nature. Even children always have philosophical questions, though they don't realize it's philosophical, but they are philosophical questions. So how can those proofs prove that God exists? I, um, I try to explain that extensively in, uh, in my book. Um, why are those proofs so uh, important and so un, uh, you cannot unprove them? Because they are based on what they call a universal principle. Let me take one of them. Uh, you know, when a scientist says all iron expands with heat, then they have to repeat and repeat that experiment, and then it becomes more and more likely. But the universal principle of the a proof of God's existence is very different. It says all expanding of iron has a cause. And if anyone denies that, then they are out of their mind. Hmm. And Definitely they are not scientists, because you, science is just looking for causes. So that's what uh, the proof of God's existence can do. Of the five famous medieval proofs that you talk about in your book, what's your favorite? My favorite is, is the most difficult one, so I won't go there right now. I let people <laughs> find that in my book. But uh, the most popular one is probably the argument from motion. That's how Thomas Aquinas called it. Uh, unfortunately, most people think when they talk about motion that that is uh, uh, moving things around, that's like on a pool table, one ball hits another ball. So, but that's not what Thomas Aquinas means. When he says the argument for motion, he means the argument from cause. Everything has a cause. Or, to be more specific, everything that comes into existence has a cause. So when we... Uh, when we talk about causes, that's what science does. It looks for the cause behind uh, radioactive decay, and it says that it's a, a, a radioactive isotope, and then it goes into all kinds of smaller pieces, smaller pieces, smaller pieces. What Thomas Aquinas basically says, we cannot go back in time or in explanation to more and more causes before, 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 because then we have a chain of causes that floats in the air. It has no foundation to rest on. It has no hook or beam to hang from. So it needs something to hang on. I, I always like to say, if you have an endless chain of IOUs, that doesn't mean you have real money. Hmm. So you need something to give it body, to bank it on to put it on, to base it on, to hang it from, and that is real currency. And what is the real currency, if I may say so, of this chain of causes? That is what Thomas Aquinas calls the first cause. The first cause makes all the other causes possible. First doesn't mean the first in a certain order of events, but first is above it. Without it, we don't have a beam to hang the series from, or we don't have a foundation to put the series on so that it has a foothold. Does that make sense? It makes sense, yeah. I, you know, Aquinas refers to uh, God as the first cause uh, there, and, and I know you, you get into it even more than that. How does a scientist, though, become such a philosopher? I, I wish all scientists would. Huh. Unfortunately, when you study a specific field, you have to do so much training. You have to do so much work in a laboratory. 
most of them don't have time left to think a little deeper. And when they go home, they, they probably watch TV. So it's, it's very hard to bring it to them. When I, when I was teaching scientists, I realized they, they had so much on their mind, there was no interest in philosophy. But the philosophy of science is a very important thing, for it makes you ask questions that most scientists don't ever ask. So why is there something? Why is there something and not nothing? Hmm. Why uh, is something the cause of something else? I don't mean that in a scientific way. They can find that out. But what is the cause of all those causes? Why is there something rather than nothing? Most scientists don't get that far. Uh, I, I should give maybe one exception. No, yeah, not really. But uh, that is uh, Hawking. Hawking is the famous physicist. He died not too long ago. And he uh, at one point said, why is there something rather than nothing? At least he asked the question. Thank you, Hawking, for doing that. But unfortunately, he came up with the wrong answer. He said, everything that exists now explains itself. But how is that possible? How could something generate itself? How could the universe generate itself? There must have been a cause that made the universe possible. How could something exist before it came into existence, a philosopher would say. That is absurd. That is philosophical nonsense. Whatever came into existence must have a cause outside itself that caused its existence. So I would say to uh, scientists, please try to ask those fundamental questions and use your brain, your rationality, to find out that those proofs of God existence make perfectly sense. And if you deny the premise, then you can deny the conclusion. But if you affirm the premise that everything that comes into existence has a cause, then you have to accept the conclusion that there is a first cause. And I want to make clear, uh, Doctor, that this book is for, you know, the, the everyday Catholic. This is not just yes. for scientists or uh, people that have, um, uh, you know, graduate degrees in philosophy. This is, no. you, you try to bring this down to the level of everyone. Yes, that's what I tried very hard. It's, uh, I think the language is, is very down to earth. I explain things extensively. Unfortunately, philosophy is sometimes digging deep, sure. you know. And well, we should be pushed a little bit. I mean, that, you know, all of us as, as uh, Catholics need to, to need to know this. And uh, you go there. A Catholic scientist proves God exists, Dr. Gerard Verscheren. Doctor, thank you for coming on and, and sharing this. You can get the book, friends, at sophiainstitute.com. Doctor, thank you for doing this great work. Thank you, John, for having me on your show. Absolutely. So there you have it, friends. This is one of those books I think every Catholic should read. And it was written for every Catholic. No, not just so you can win an argument, but rather so you can deepen your love for God. That's what understanding and reading the minds of these amazing thinkers will do. Big thanks to Dr. Gerard, my guest today. Friends, make sure to share this and other episodes of Your Catholic Life on Facebook and Twitter, inviting your friends to take part in the show. Visit our website at yourcatholiclifepodcast.com as well. Thanks for tuning in today. I'm John Leonetti signing off here on Your Catholic Life. Remember, the only way to happiness is by holiness. Be confident in Christ's mercy and his love today. <laughs>